guys, this is Craig, and I'd like to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. Thank you for hanging out with me on the podcast, man. I really appreciate your presence here. This is day four, right, of the 21 days of magical theory. And so I, I hope that um, each lesson has illuminated and... Um, you know, it's left you with something that you uh, feel is enriching and you're growing in what could potentially be a very powerful practice um, in the area of magic. So today we're going to continue a little bit along the lines of where we were yesterday. It's going to be a little bit of a piggyback of that. I realized yesterday was a little tense, right? I was a little tense in uh, my delivery of the material. You know, I have a I have a deep passion for the Christian faith, right? I am definitely Christian as I define it. Um, the caveat to that is uh, Christianity has done some horrific things through the years to humanity. And so I tend to get a little worked up about that. And so I apologize if yesterday was a little intense, although I do think the content was valuable, legitimate, and um, right on message, right? And so we'll continue with that today, hopefully uh, in a little more of a jovial a demeanor. <laughs> and so I'm going to try and do that. You know, um, I think that there's real value to the message of Jesus Christ. And his message was one of love and forgiveness and compassion for humanity. And he described a God that was very loving, very giving, very forgiving. And um, so that's a message that I can really get behind. A message that is um, exclusive, um, divisive, <clears throat> angry, judgmental, and mean, that's a tough one for me to deal with. And through the ages at times, as with all religions, right, um, Christianity has been incredibly barbaric, and I have a problem with that. And so when we have a discussion about that, I will I tend to get a little passionate about that discussion. So again, I don't apologize for the content of yesterday's podcast, but it may have been a little intense for some of you. I'll try to explain the position a little more gentler today, as well as give you some more information. Now, one of the things I really wanted to talk about is my introduction into magical practice. As I discussed prior, I... Um, always had a very deep connection with magic, a deep connection with nature, a deep connection with something more. I knew that there was something greater, deeper, more powerful that I was not only just connected to, but also a part of. So my introduction to a formalized system of magic came through um, a system known as chaos magic. Now, the magical world is no different than anything else that humanity has got its hands on. Um, there are a million different types, formats, um, systems of magic. Some of them are very complicated. Some of them are very simplistic. Some of them are very exclusive. Others are very inclusive, right? So 
what I really wanted was something that worked. And so in my exploration, what I found was Chaos Magic was a system that worked really better than any other system out there. And it was broken down, it was raw, it was simplistic. Um, it has its issues, and I want to say that at the onset of this. Chaos Magic doesn't necessarily have a moral code. Now, some practitioners along the line have tried to give it one, but in and of itself, Chaos Magic says, look, this is magic, it works, do with it what you will. It has a bit of a rebellious feel to it, which harmonizes well <laughs> right, with my own persona. But I also really love Chaos Magic because it does work. The other system of magic that I um, am heavily involved in is uh, natural or earth magic, right? And that is magic associated with the elements of the earth. Um, air and uh, fire and earth and water, you know. So that would be um, channeling energy from those elements into the magical system. And we'll talk more about that at some point. But a couple of really good books on those two systems um, would be Liber Null um, by Peter Carroll. And so Liber Null and Psychonaut, they are a book, two books in one. Um, and it's a very good book. Now, Peter Carroll's a little intense at times, and so, you know, that's something you need to know. And then on Earth Magic or uh, Earth Power uh, would be Scott Cunningham, right? He's an expert on that, and he's a very gentle and loving individual, and so there would be no caveats or, or warnings with that. But Libernal, as great as it is, um, Peter Carroll can be a little intense. Condensed Chaos by Phil Hines is a really good introduction to chaos magic um, that would probably be a little softer approach and maybe a first recommend, right, on that kind of uh, um, practice. However, I will tell you, as someone uh, moderately formally trained in chaos magic if you have any questions about chaos magic or you're interested in it on any level I would be more than happy to share notes that I've taken thoughts that I have on that through um, a, f a phone call or um, direct messaging on Instagram or even an email and I'd be willing to do that uh, although a podcast lives eternally I would be willing to do that for the next couple of months uh, with you, right? Because I'm dedicated to you and I care about your practice. So anyway, those are the practices that I'm deeply involved in and that's where my magical perspective and education comes from. So um, something I'd <clears throat> really like to do, excuse me, I apologize, <clears throat> is uh, piggyback just a bit on what we talked about yesterday. You know, throughout history, um, Christianity, as wonderful as it has been, has also had its moments of unfortunate circumstances and um, atrocities, right? And so that has, un that has sadly 
I think left a bad taste or impression for so many people. But I want to talk a little bit about, um, we discussed Deuteronomy and Exodus yesterday, and we'll touch on that again today. But I'd like to talk a little bit about divination, because divination, <clears throat> and I'm a huge um, fan of tarot um, and um, pendulums, right? I, I, I believe quite a lot in those and practice them. But you will find that divination is something that was very much a part of Christianity and uh, the Jewish culture, right? So I want to start off by reading out of the book of Acts, chapter 1, <coughs> excuse me, 23 through 26. Um, and it says, so they, and when it says they, it's, it's talking about the apostles, right? So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. Now, I really want you to pay attention to the language here. Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. <clears throat> So what the disciples are doing here is divination. And it's a style of divination called cleromancy. And it's the casting of lots, whether sticks or stones or bones or beans or coins or runes, right? And it's a form of divination that was used by the remaining 11 disciples of Jesus to, uh, to select essentially a replacement for Judas. So divination was an accepted and welcomed practice in the early church, and that continued throughout at least the first century. Um, cleromancy was used, and it was believed that God would uh, bring a message through the divination process, whether it was runes or sticks or whatever it was. And so the disciples, and these are individuals who had been with Jesus for three and a half years, right? Three and a half years, they'd been with Christ um, a day in and day out, listening to his words, listening to his teachings. In fact, one of the disciples even says um, that Jesus said so many things and 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 did so many things that if he were to write them all down there would not be enough paper in the world to contain what he had said which is interesting because after three and a half years the disciples are still using the process of cleromancy to understand God's will. So in all that time, Jesus never said, warned, spoke against the process of divination. And <clears throat> I think that that's really important. I think it's really critical to understand that uh, in, in some ways, Jesus almost ordained or approved of this process. Now, this was a really common practice in the Hebrew culture, right? Uh, very common. In fact, in ancient Israel, um, the high priest, uh, from time to time, the tradition of casting lots would be used to make some decisions. Now, uh, interestingly enough, 
they they kind of believe that God's will would come out in the lots, right? Um, like Proverbs 16 and 33 says, the lot is cast into the lap because they would put a clear, not a clear, but a white cloth across their lap, cast the lots, right, into the lap. So Proverbs 16 and 33 says, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Now we all, so that's going on in Hebrew history, right, in the book of Proverbs and all that. And then in Luke 1, chapter 1, verse 9, it's how the priests uh, of the Hebrew people determined who God wanted to do temple duty. So this is Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God, verse 9, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood. Wow. To go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So what we have here is even in the New Testament time frame. So we can go all the way back to the book of Proverbs, right? When King David was around and King David is using clearomancy to determine God's will. Then you come a few hundred, maybe even a thousand years into the future and you have the priests of the temple casting lots to determine who it is that God wants to do temple duty, which is incredibly interesting because divination has been a part of the people of God for thousands of years at this point. Um, King David did it, right? The temple priests in uh, Jerusalem did it. The apostles did it. So it's, it's an incredibly interesting practice, right? And so we see here that um, Zechariah's division was on duty and he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood. So this was the custom. This was the tradition of the priesthood to determine God's will by the casting of lots. And the reason I find these examples of interest is um, so King David, who wrote Proverbs, certainly Luke, right? And of course, the disciples of Jesus would have been very aware of the prohibitions listed in Deuteronomy and Exodus concerning divination. Now, Deuteronomy and Exodus are the same uh, verses that we use to condemn magic over and over and over, right? Um, so they would have been very aware of those prohibitions, and yet not only is divination a very common, very common in, uh, practice in Israel among the Hebrew people, it's common among the kings, it's common among the priesthood, it's common among the forerunners of the Christian church, which are the disciples themselves, they all practiced divination right? So was this outright opposition and rebellion to the Lord God and his commands in Exodus and Deuteronomy? My guess is clearly not. The divination they spoke of or translated to us in Deuteronomy and Exodus clearly is something entirely different or it's a mistranslation altogether, which would be my guess. So some of you listening 
have a deep love for the Bible and still believe that it's completely inerrant, um, I would suggest to you a book by Rob Bell called, and I believe it's called What the Bible Says. Um, so forgive me here as you're listening to this podcast in real time. Um, I'm going to look up this book for you. What the Bible says. I'm Googling right now. Uh, Rob Bell. And some of you might not like Rob Bell, uh, those of you that know who he is. Um, oh, what is the Bible? My apologies. What is the Bible by Rob Bell? And I think that you would be, those of you that um, are a little offended when I when I dog the Bible just a bit, I think that some of you would be, um, you would feel a sense of freedom if you read that book, What is the Bible by Rob Bell, right? So my guess is, is that we have a little bit of a mistranslation. So to say that witchcraft and magic are condemned by the Bible is probably not fair. The Bible is a great book. However, the translations made were not, they were not always correct. And so the way that we've used the book, the Bible, is not the way that it was intended. Have you guys ever heard of a term called Midrash? Um, Midrash is a beautiful thing. It's a Jewish practice. It's been around for centuries, right? And Midrash is the way the Hebrew and modern Jewish friends to this day kind of deal with scripture. So they don't simply just read the words, right? In fact, um, any true scholar, and I'm not talking about a guy who goes to your church that's read a bunch of books, right? Uh, not that guy. <laughs> like a real scholar of the Bible, okay? Not some Bible college dude, but, but a real scholar will tell you that surface read of the Bible is the worst way to read the Bible. And you can, you can research that for yourself. And so the Hebrew and the Jewish people, they don't simply just read the words. They dive into them, into the story, into the characters, into the events surrounding the story. They want to get what was intended um, to pass that on, right? The lesson to be learned. And so with Midrash, you dive in you make your own interpretations and you can even argue those with other people. Like, what do you think? What do you think this means? And here's what I think it means. And you can have really serious arguments with Midrash, but um, typically what happens with those arguments is you don't know and I don't know. We're doing our best. We're giving our best attempt to understand God. So the West... Uh, the United States and colonialized Christianity kind of killed that art, the art of Midrash. And we created a world based on truth and falsehoods, commerce and trade, right and wrong, black and white. And guess what? That really isn't how the world works. Um, not, not, not very well, anyway. And it definitely isn't how the Bible works. And it isn't how God works. And so when God is cut and dry, when we have these hard lines, when we have these legalities, it, is, it isn't God that you're dealing with. It's a human construct. It's just religion. And can I tell you something? Religion is a murderer. 
it murders lives it murders faith it murders love it murders God and so we have to move away from religion we have to move away from systematic theology we have to move away from hard rights and hard wrongs and begin to experience God in the gray begin to experience God personally what what is God saying to me what is God speaking to me how do I interpret the stories that I read about God and about Jesus and and how does that relate to my own life my own practice my own witchcraft my own magic and I think that that's critically important and it matters if you're a witch and a Christian God bless you you're a magician and a Christian God bless you if you have a stack of tarot cards on your Bible man, God bless you because we don't have any instruction in the black and white that that's wrong we don't have any instruction in the black and white that God thinks that's an abomination the Bible just isn't that clear so what is the message of Christ what is the message of the first church what is the message of God? Um, the best that I can give you, and this is a person who was a pastor for 25 years and a Christian for a lot longer than that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. your witchcraft is important your magic is important in the intensity with which God loves you and your magic that's really important too so let's move on to the practice portion tomorrow what I want to talk to you about is single-pointedness of mind so for two days I've asked you to meditate with your candle whatever it is and to remove as much thought as you can from your mind tomorrow what I'd like to do in tomorrow's podcast is deal with a couple of a couple of things um, we're going to talk a little bit about candle magic and we're going to talk a little bit about um, sigils and a single pointedness of mind so here would be your practice find something of significance to you it can be a book it can be um, just an image that you draw on a piece of paper it can really be just about anything a pendant that you have and place that at the base of your candle right so you're gonna light your candle or turn your candle on if it's a battery operated candle but for 10 minutes you're gonna ignore the candle and you're gonna focus on the image or the book the picture of your family whatever it is that you want and you're gonna think a thought of simply this blessing just blessing I proclaim blessing blessing not 
towards anybody, even yourself, but just blessing. And then we'll talk a little bit more about that tomorrow and what it is that you put into the ether, into the, into the chaos, into the quantum realm. And um, yeah, we'll dive into that tomorrow. Again, I encourage you, so many of you are doing it and I, I love you for it. Um, direct message me on Instagram, email me on the Black Sheep Experience. I'm more than happy to answer your questions and help you begin the process of this magical journey. God bless you guys. Done.